Hello, this is Dr. Mike Barnett with the First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Thank you so very much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray that today's message will be a blessing and an encouragement to you. We are engaging our people at First Baptist Church in an emphasis called Who's Your Mission? It is a challenge to personal soul winning and personal evangelism for the year 2023. We've asked our people to ask God for at least one soul to be burdened for that they might go after that soul and win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the theme of these current messages. And I pray that they will encourage you to be a soul winner and go after one soul that needs to be saved now and to know Jesus now. I pray these messages will help you. And again, thank you for tuning in. microphone problems. That's why I've been up going back and forth. And uh, right now i got a ringing in my ear. I don't know what it is. Sometimes you have such problems with um, the microphone. I remember when I first started preaching, you'd just get up and holler out loud. <laughs> but now with all the things that we do with recording and all, we have to have microphones. I'm going to blame it on the statue. <laughs> I got to the office the other day, and Cole said, go in the sanctuary and tell me what you think about uh, some of the vacation Bible school decorations. And I walked in, and I saw that, and I saw Cole's face on it, and I thought, well, we're studying Nebuchadnezzar's image. <laughs> yeah. That may be what we're studying. But that is a mad scientist, and... It's uh, Dr. Cole, the mad scientist. And it's going to be a wonderful vacation Bible school. Y'all pray for it now. Pray that we'll have uh, young people and families come to the Lord. That's why we do it. And you pray the Holy Spirit to do his, his bidding and his work because that is of the utmost importance. We've got to have the Holy Spirit. He is indispensable. Mike Barnett can be dispensed with. Uh, this whole building can be dispensed with, and we can still be the church. But we've got to have the Word of God, and we've got to have the Holy Spirit who gave us that Word. And so we pray, and we ask the Holy Spirit to do His work, and He will. And uh, that's what I want to um, focus on in this summer's preaching. We have been in 2 Samuel, and last week we finished 2 Samuel chapter 6, which really begins a time in the uh, land of Israel and the nation of Israel, a time of, I guess you could say, Camelot. David is at the pinnacle of his reign and we're going to see chapter 7 when we return to 2 Samuel after the summertime, sometime in August, and we'll get back to 2 Samuel and we see the, the Davidic covenant and David's response and we'll see the expansion of the kingdom of David. And David is at his pinnacle. And then all of a sudden, there's a fall. 
And uh, we'll begin again in 2 Samuel. But this summer, I want to uh, preach on some uh, encouraging messages for you. Uh, namely, not, not all of them, but namely they will be concerning the ministry of the Holy Spirit to, uh, to the church, to you as an individual believer, but to us as a church for sure and for certain. And um, I am going to um, preach some of the encouraging texts about the ministry of the Holy Spirit that have encouraged me through the years, that have always uh, kept me in focus, even during what would seem like dry and discouraging times. And so uh, we're going to be in the Holy Spirit, especially with those of you who have a mission. Uh, and who's your mission? The, the display that manifests or shows our progress is in the foyer up front. And uh, we've already seen a number of those white ping pong balls turn orange as people have been saved, your missions have been saved, or some of them have been confirmed that they are saved and encouraged to be in the house of the Lord. And so if you have a mission and you're praying and you are uh, desiring God to save that loved one, that person that you care about, I want you to encourage you to know that other people are praying too. Uh, I pray for our missions. We have a couple of ladies in our church who pray for every one of them, all 237 names. They pray for them by name and you every single day. Every single day. And that's just two I know about. I pray for your missions and for you. And so I want to encourage you, in the, and who's your mission? Don't quit and don't give up. Keep praying for them. Keep looking for those opportunities to share Christ and share the gospel. And... Trust the ministry of the Holy Spirit to the lost and to you. And that's what I want to talk about today is how we can trust the Holy Spirit. I want to give you five wonderful truths about the Holy Spirit of God today that have encouraged me through the years. And so I invite you to turn with me to John chapter 3 and verse 8. We're going to read one verse to begin with, John chapter 3. And verse 8, and as you're turning there, the occasion for this verse is when Nicodemus, a leader of the Pharisees, a member of the council of the Sanhedrin, a very religious man, a very pious man, and I will tell you he was a very honest man and a leader, and he came to Jesus by night and like many people uh, that you and I know, he, he, he was one to be considered a good person, a very moral man. And he knew that Jesus was somebody special. He knew that Jesus was unique. As a matter of fact, when he approached Jesus, he says, We know that you are a teacher come from God because no man can do these things and do these mighty works unless God has sent him. So we know that you're special and unique. Yet he was without salvation. He wasn't saved. He wasn't a Christian. If he had died that night, he would have gone to hell forever. All his morality, nothing meant anything. And Jesus immediately uh, responded, You must be born again to even enter the kingdom of heaven, to see the kingdom of heaven. 
you must be born again. And so with all his morality and his decency and his goodness, this Nicodemus bore his sin on his own self. And he needed a Savior. And Jesus talked to him about being born of the Spirit. Because Nicodemus didn't understand salvation. He thought it was a works thing. He, he didn't understand it was a spiritual work of God in a person's heart and life. And it was being born of the Spirit. And he couldn't understand the realm of the spiritual. And so Jesus in his grace and mercy and kindness and patience explained to Nicodemus the new birth. And he used practical everyday terms. He used uh, the birth process and he also used the wind, the wind. And it's a remarkable illustration of the Holy Spirit is the wind. Uh, perhaps that was a cool breeze that night when Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, if you were Nicodemus, you might have had trouble understanding the thought of a new birth, the, the illustration that Jesus used of a new birth and becoming a new person in Christ in terms of birth. But you would have known the illustration of the wind you would have understood that the Holy Spirit of God has always been compared, uh, among other things, but always the wind. The Hebrew term ruach, ruach, can be translated breath. When God created Adam and Eve, he ruached the ruach of life into him, the breath of life. That's the same word translated the Spirit in reference to the Spirit of God. And also you would know that that Hebrew term is also translated wind, and it's a reference to the wind. And then it is translated the Spirit. And in our case today, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, the word pneuma, the English equivalent, is practically the same way. And so Jesus used the wind, something Nicodemus would know, to tell him five truths about the Holy Spirit. And I want to share with you these five truths will encourage you, especially in terms of your mission and in terms of what you want to accomplish for God. This, this verse has always been an encouragement to me when I uh, got a hold of it and it got a hold of me. And so let's look at it and give you these five truths about the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit is always active. He's always working. The Bible says, Jesus said to Nicodemus, the wind blows. The wind, the King James says, bloweth to indicate to us that that is a present active verb. Always blowing. Not past tense, not future tense, present tense. He's always at work. When you approach the Bible and you read through the Bible... You uh, have to understand there's some principles to interpreting the Bible. And um, one of the principles is something I've mentioned before, 
to you. It's called the law or the principle of first mention. In other words, the first time any theme or any person or any uh, theology or, or any word, any, any truth is mentioned in the Bible, that first mention kind of sets the pace for the whole thing. For example, Genesis 22 is the very first time in the Scriptures where love is mentioned. God told Abraham, Abraham, take your only born son, your only begotten son, and uh, whom you love, and go to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. And so from there on out, love is seen as sacrificial. And of course, we have for God so loved the world that he gave his son. Well, the first time ever that the Holy Spirit is mentioned in Scripture is in the book of Genesis chapter 1, at the time of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. So the very first mention of the Holy Spirit, what is He doing? He's moving. He's always at work. He's always active. The law of first mention. And so sometimes his work is very obvious, isn't it? Sometimes it's not so obvious. Sometimes his work, he's like a mighty wind, like he was at Pentecost. The wind blows. Other times the Holy Spirit is at work in quieter times. He's even at work when there is no breeze whatsoever. Just dead, stale air in our realm of thinking, but he's at work. Sometimes he's at work in a dangerous situation like a storm at sea, helping the Son of God teach the disciples a valuable lesson about faith and obedience. Sometimes he's a still, small, cool breeze voice. We know down here sometimes he, he can be a hurricane. But I want to tell you what, the Holy Spirit is always at work. You can always count on it. He is never not working. We do not have a lazy God. We do not have a God without passion. We have a triune God who is always at work. I want to tell you, if we do not believe the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit works constantly and that the wind is always blowing, then we need to, to be careful because if you doubt that, you're going to become a skeptic and you're going to become negative and you're going to become a critic and a cynic and you're going to think the whole world's falling apart. Well, I still believe the Holy Spirit works and the old song says he's got the whole world in his hand. So, first thing you need to remember this, even when it doesn't seem like He is, the Holy Spirit's always at work. Number two, the Holy Spirit is sovereign. The Holy Spirit is sovereign. The Bible says, Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, the wind's always blowing, Nicodemus. The Holy Spirit's always at work. And then He said, and it blows where it wills. It blows where it wishes. The King James says, lists. It blows where it wills. Just as it is impossible for us to control the direction of the wind, we cannot control the direction 
of the Holy Spirit. We can invent anything and everything and say it is the Holy Spirit working, but He is sovereign and not us. He works as He wills. We must put our face toward the wind to be obedient. But you know what we do sometimes is we say, well, we're going to do our thing. Now, Holy Spirit, get on over here and help us. When it's the Holy Spirit who does His thing, He blows where He wills, and we've got to get on where the Holy Spirit is. Amen? Holy Spirit's sometimes working and working and working, and it gets obvious, and we're over here singing that old Baptist hymn, I shall not be moved. I want to tell you, folks, that's not how the Holy Spirit works. He alone is sovereign, and we should have put our face toward Him, not the other way around. Now, this sounds like a rebuke, and it may be so, but it's not a rebuke for us, dear friend. It is optimism. The Holy Spirit will work and fulfill His purpose always. Sometimes He fulfills His purpose despite us. Sometimes He fulfills His purpose in spite of us. But He is sovereign and uh, he fulfills his work. He does his work as he wills. We love that verse, for all things work together for good to them that love God and are thee called according to his purpose. But we stop right there. We stop right there. And we need to go forward because we get this word purpose confused. What is the purpose of the Godhead in us? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they have the same purpose. It is to conform us to the image of Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit works as He wills. He knows what we need to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And so that's the second truth that encourages me. The Holy Spirit is sovereign. He works where He wills. And then here's the third thing. The Holy Spirit is present and work... The Holy Spirit's presence and work is always evident. It's always evident. Jesus, the next phrase he told Nicodemus, you hear the sound of the wind. It blows always, blows where it wills, but you also hear its sound. He could have also said you see it blowing the trees. You see it at work. See, when the wind's blowing out there, uh, you don't need a Ph.D. in meteorology to know that something's going on and it's the wind, do you? You can see it's work. So it is with the Holy Spirit. Look at John chapter 2, just prior to, to the, the last few verses. John 2 verse 23, right along with the text. It says, Now when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify a man, for he knew what was in man. And then verse 3, chapter 3, verse 1 says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. We're talking about the... Holy Spirit's work always being evident. Can you imagine Jesus is doing great miracles in Jerusalem? It's a tremendous experience. People are being healed. Lives are being changed. The Holy Spirit is, is, is working. 
and these people come to Jesus and say, you've seen all your works, and we believe you. And Jesus says, but I don't believe you. And he doesn't commit to them because they just weren't repentant of their sin. They weren't getting the right message. They weren't receiving the real message. And Jesus would not commit them. So you had a whole group of people who were lost. But then all of a sudden, that night, one night, there comes Nicodemus. And he has this wonderful conversation with Jesus that is perhaps preached more times than any other text of the Bible. You must be born again. You see, while the Holy Spirit, it didn't seem, was at work in the pe these people's lives, or at least they were rejecting his work, Nicodemus, the Holy Spirit, was at work in his heart. And it was evident that night. See, nobody comes to Jesus without the Holy Spirit. Nobody comes to the Lord Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. Now, folks, listen. He's all, his work is evident. Sometimes we do not recognize the Holy Spirit's work. The storms at sea, Jesus said, peace be still. That wind drove them to Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But you know who we blame? We blame the devil for the high wind. But it might be the Holy Spirit stirring you up so you can be driven to Jesus. See, His work is evident. We just got to learn. The Holy Spirit, the people were in the upper room. Was the Spirit at work there? Very evident. When it was time, He filled them up, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness, filled with the Holy Spirit. And so His work will be evident. We just got to learn how to see it. And recognize this is of the Holy Spirit of God. Whether it's disappointment or, or encouragement or good news or bad news, let's pray that, Lord, show me your work in this. Let me see it, and he'll show you how evident it is. Here's the fourth thing. There's a mysterious element surrounding the work of the Holy Spirit. There's a mystery to it. Jesus said... But you cannot tell from where it comes from. You just don't know where the wind comes from. Now, we could say, well, the wind's coming out of the east. Well, let's use a different word. I heard that old phrase when I was growing up. You'd hear, wind out of the east, the fish bite the least. You ever heard that? And the west wind, well, it was hot. No, west wind where I grew up was a hot wind. Let's say a north wind. Well, wind's coming out of the north. It's going to be a little cool. It's going to be a norther. You ever heard that term? A norther. And uh, so, well, where's the wind coming from? Out of the north. Well, let's get in the car and drive north. Will we ever come to a point where we could say, here's the wind machine in the north right here. Here's where the wind comes from. Look, it started right here. See it? It's written out. The wind starts right here. This is where the wind... No, we just speak in general terms when it comes to where the wind comes from, and, and you know that. So if we're not careful, though, we'll attribute the great blessings of God, souls being saved, lives being changed, God's great benefit upon us from time to time, or the benefits that are constant upon us, His great provision... If we're not careful and ignore this truth that we don't know where the wind comes from, then I will tell you we 
we, we, run, we run aground somewhat. We, we attribute it to some program or something that we have done. You know, one of the things that we, we, we idolize, and I'm taking a gamble saying this because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying, and, and, and I know some of you are going to take exception to this. But let me ask you something. I believe in prayer. We're going to preach on the prayer ministry of the Holy Spirit in a couple of weeks. I have a prayer time every morning. I have a prayer place every morning. I have a prayer uh, list every morning. And I pray every morning. Get up early to do it. Get up early to pray. I believe in prayer. The man who doesn't pray, the Christian who doesn't pray, is a defeated Christian. Even when it, uh, and he said, the, well, you're a defeated Christian. You're not going to win anything. You're not winning now. Prayer. But I want to tell you something. When God answers a prayer, it's not because I prayed. It's because God heard. Amen. It's because God heard and God did it. And if I take the glory from that, I make myself an idol. Huh? Oh, my goodness. Psalm 50 says, Offer thanks to God and pay thy vows unto the Lord Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver thee and you shall glorify me. That's Psalm 50, 14 and 15. And so the purpose of what we do is to give God glory for his work. And so when we pray and God responds to our prayer, he answered our prayer. Let's give him glory, not us. Not us. It doesn't fall on us. It falls on the Lord. Give him glory. You say, well, maybe that's why some of my prayers not been answered. I've been stealing the glory. Hello? Let's give glory to God when he answers prayer. You know, most of our prayers need to be thanksgiving and giving praise and glory. But I want to share this. I wanted to share that with you. Folks, sometimes if we don't realize this mysterious element that these good and perfect gifts comes from God, that the Holy Spirit is active in work, and He is the one convincing men, and He is the one moving upon lives and changing hearts and, and, and accomplishing the, the will of God in our lives and all around us. And we don't know where that comes from. We get it mixed up sometimes and think it's because we started something. Or we've got this program or that program. Let me tell you something. I hope we have a whole bunch of kids saved on uh, this week in Bible school. That's what I pray. God, give us lost kids saved and give us their families saved. Do your work upon them. But I want to tell you what. If one soul is saved, it's not because we had vacation Bible school. It's because Jesus went to the cross, died for our sins, was buried and rose again, and the Holy Spirit met that young person, convicted them of their sin, and drew them to Jesus. They prayed, and Jesus heard them and saved them. And all the glory goes to God. Amen? Not a crazy cold picture. <laughs> Let's give God the glory. Amen? It came from God. Well, where did this come from? It come from God. God has done his work. And that means when we realize that, that it is a mystery to it. All these wonderful things. Well, how did that happen? God did it. God did it. God did it. And if you don't have anything in your life that you have to sit down and say, the only way that could be done is that God did it. 
You're missing out, folks. <laughs> Amen. As a matter of fact, you're probably not saved because the only way you got saved is God did it. We got to have some God did it. Well, let, let me just ask, how can, and how could this happen? An adulterous woman who is so shameful that she can't even go to the well to draw water with the other ladies. She has to go at high noon. How can she turn out to be one of the greatest soul winners in history and win a whole town of Samaritans who were crazy in their theology anyway, win a whole town of them to Jesus? God did it. Amen? God did it. How can a prostitute from a condemned city called Jericho make it into the genealogy of Jesus? I'm talking about Rahab. Who did that? God did that. God did that. How can the, a persecutor of the church, a hater of Christians, kill, haul off to prison with authority from the Jewish Sanhedrin, become the penman of our theology? I'm talking about Paul. Who does that? God did it. God did it. How can a baby that was ordered to be drowned by the king wind up watching the Red Sea get parted? Who does that? God does that. God does that. Only three or four of you believe God did it. How can a man deny the Lord Jesus Christ after following him for three years, become one of the leading writers of the New Testament, writes two books and influences another, the Gospel of Mark, and die faithfully in the most brutal way, naming the name of Jesus. Who does that? God does it. Well, I picked up one or two more. <laughs> How can a sinner filled with his own way, I'm talking about you now, I'm talking about you now, filled with his own way, become a lover of God, sitting in a church on a beautiful summer day when we've got beautiful islands just off our coast, but you decided to come in here and say, I want to say thank you to my God and give him praise and hear his word and act on it. How, how, who does that? God does it. And so if there's no God did it factor in your life, first of all, you're not saved because only God can save you. But I want to tell you what, the longer you serve him, the more God did it factors you get. Amen? It's wonderful. It's wonderful. I read a, a sermon or listen to a sermon almost every day. And usually they're, they're uh, people who are, are dead and gone. Uh, the dead preachers can't disappoint you. <laughs> Amen. You know, <laughs> the living preachers can. But, but uh, no, I listen to live ones too. Uh, but um, 
Some of them are, are long gone before they had recordings of their voices. And there's one that I really enjoy reading his sermons. And uh, he, he, um, he lived in the last century and, and uh, died in my lifetime named James Stewart. Not Jimmy Stewart, but James Stewart. He was a Scottish preacher. And uh, this is what he said about the, the Holy Spirit's work when, when we, we need to give God glory. This is what he said. So we rationalize and psychologize and demythologize until the Christian faith has ceased to be good news about a living personal God acting in history and has become merely something about man and his nature until theology has lost itself in anthropology. That's a good quote. What he means is, is when we don't say God did this, this where did this come from? It came from the throne of heaven. And it came on the wings of the Holy Spirit and in the power of the Holy Spirit. When we say, well, we did this, we, we did this who's your mission thing and put up signs and ping pong balls and all of a sudden people started getting saved. Oh, no, 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 no. Souls get saved from before the foundation of the world. And the Bible's clear about that. So when a soul is saved, we don't get glory for it. God gets the glory for it. And every good and perfect gift you've got comes from God. And the wings of the Holy Spirit brings it to you. Amen. And so where do the great works of the Holy Spirit start? In heaven. So it's not such a mystery to us. And so we need a theology-centered worship to give thanks rather than an anthropology. Man-centered worship. We're here to study about God, not study man. The fifth thing about the ministry of the Holy Spirit is the concluding work. The conclusion of the Holy Spirit's work is not fully known on earth. Jesus said, you don't know where it comes from. And then he said... Nor do you know where it goes. Is that what he said in John 3, 8? You don't know where it goes. You ever heard that phrase, you never know what God will do with this? And you know, sometimes on earth you will never know till you get to heaven, you'll know then. Never is a long time. And it's okay as long as our never excludes heaven because one day we will know. But we will not see oftentimes the full work of the Holy Spirit on earth. Matter of fact, you may go to your grave not seeing some of your prayers answered. You may go to your grave not seeing those who you love come to the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved. The full work is not seen oftentimes on planet Earth. This um, 
eternal moment. Sometimes its effects are never seen. But I will tell you this, as a result of this truth, you cannot tell what the Holy Spirit will make of your life or what the Holy Spirit will do with your obedience, where the Holy Spirit will take it, your Spirit's filled service. And I've got tons of stories, if you will, incidences where you just walk away and you just say, Thank you, Lord, I needed that today. I needed to be encouraged by that today. Let me give you just a few of them. Let's start with the Scriptures. This man named Nicodemus, he came to Jesus one night, more than likely because he was afraid and he was timid. And he said, Oh, we know you're a teacher from come from God, and Jesus said, Jesus didn't say, well, thank you. I'm glad you acknowledged that, but uh, no, Jesus just said, if you want to see heaven, you must be born again. What do you mean be born again? And Jesus had that wonderful conversation where he said, just like you were born physically, you have to be born spiritually. You were born physically in order to live on this earth. You got to be born again to live spiritually in heaven. And he explained to him the new birth. And, and, and just like he was telling Nicodemus, just like you have a place where and a time when you were born physically, you got to have a place where and a time when you were born spiritually. Dear friend, let me tell you something. A large part of our society, especially down here on the coast, will tell you, I've been a Christian all my life. You can't be. You can't be. You have to be born again spiritually. You have to have an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ at a moment when he turns you into a new life and gives you a new heart. And just like the wind, you'll see the effects for the rest of your days. But you've got to have a conscientious time and decision that you make to receive the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. You weren't born a Christian. God has no grandchildren. You need to be born again and be saved. And if you've never been saved, made a decision and called on the name of the Lord to be saved... Today's your day. You can be saved today. But Nicodemus walked away that night. The text does not indicate to us that he was saved that night. He walked away, and if he had, if he had died that night, he would have gone to hell. But you know what happened? Sometime later, years later, two, three years later, two years later, whatever the case may be, Jesus goes to the cross and dies for our sins. He dies for the sins of Nicodemus on the cross. And there's two men who are members of the Jewish Sanhedrin. And they see Jesus on the cross. And the Bible says they are believers, but they keep it quiet for fear of the Jews. And they go and beg the body of Jesus before Pilate. And Nicodemus begs the body of Jesus before Pilate. When he did that, he forfeited any authority and any standing he had in the Jewish community. He was no longer going to be a member of the Sanhedrin. He was joining the ranks of those whom his former compatriots in the Sanhedrin wanted to murder and kill. He would have become somebody that Paul would go after. But you see, you never know what the, what the Holy Spirit will do with a man's life. And Nicodemus became a strong Christian. I, I, I think of so many in the scripture. Think of the demoniac. Remember that? Jesus crosses over the sea and he calms the storm and he gets across the sea and this man with a legion of demons meets him. Remember that? 
And, and Jesus says, what's your name? He says, I'm, my name is Legions, and, and Legion. And, and you know, there's, the demons start to pray. The demon says, don't cast us out into the pit, into the abyss, but put us in those pigs over there. Throw us in the pigs. Jesus answered the demon's prayer. If he'll answer a demon's prayer, you reckon he'll answer yours? He answered the demon's prayer, and they went in the pigs, and off the cliff they go. Chopped up that pork. And he, he healed, the, delivered the man of his demons. And he sat there sound as well. This was a man who was cutting himself, throwing rocks at people, wrecking the cemetery at night, hollering out loud, scaring everybody. Sounds like the subway in New York. <laughs> and you know what happened? He was sitting there in his right mind, and the, the owners of the pig farm came. And the people in the town came and saw that man sitting in their right mind. And, and they said, and they prayed. They said, Jesus, leave us alone. Get out of our coast. We don't want you here. So they prayed, asked Jesus to leave. You know what Jesus did? Answered their prayer. He got in the boat and left. And as he was getting in the boat, the man whom he had just delivered of demons, you know what he said? He said, Lord, let me come with you. He prayed. Lord, let me come with you. He was praying. And Jesus said, I'm not going to answer your prayer. No. You got to stay here and tell what everybody, tell, tell the good thing I've done for you. So the demons and the mean hog owners, they got their prayers answered, and the poor new Christian didn't stand a chance. But he obeyed God because he didn't know what the Holy Spirit was going to do. And the next time Jesus goes to that area of Gadara, you know what happens? The whole town comes out and says, we want to hear what you've got to say. Because the Holy Spirit took somebody that we could not tell his future and used him to bring a whole town to the feet of Jesus, just like he used that Samaritan woman to bring the men to the feet of Jesus to be saved. You don't know where the Holy Spirit's going to take people. You don't know. One Sunday morning, young man came down and, and said, I need to join the church. I want to be baptized. I said, well, before we baptize anybody and before we let them join the church, we want to hear about when they've been saved. Have you been saved? And I didn't think this old boy had been saved. And he said, yeah, I was saved. I said, well, when were you saved? Tell me about it. And I was thinking he was going to say, I was just saved right back there. Or I want to be saved now. You know what he said? He said, about six months ago, I went to a funeral, and you were preaching the funeral, and you told somebody, you told us, we're going to die one day, or we're going to go to hell or heaven, and you told us how to be saved. I sat there in the pews and got saved at that funeral home, and I'm coming to be, you never know what the Holy Spirit's going to do, amen? You never know what the Spirit of God's going to do. He just, he'll take it wherever he wills, and we just get to, we don't get to see it sometimes till much later. My wife's birthday was last month, and it's the same birthday as, as our beloved Bunny Harris. They share the same birthday. So that means David and I got to spend money on May 14th. <laughs> and so they always get together and go eat. And so we went and ate, and they said, we want to go get some ice cream. And I said, well, I've eaten my green beans and my healthy food. I don't need any ice cream, but I, no, I wanted ice cream too. So we went over to this Kilwins, this new Kilwin over here to get the ice cream. Man, they got them 
white chocolate-covered Oreos. I don't know. Look, I know I have a good biblical theology, but I just believe the woman who invented them is going to be in heaven. Amen? <laughs> don't you? Praise God for from whom all blessings flow. Amen. Well, we got that ice cream. The young lady was checking us out, paying for the ice cream. And I reached in my pocket to pull out an invite card. I try to give three invite cards away every day. And it was the end of the day, and I would only given away two. So I was going to reach out and, and say, this is a special card we give to special people. And it's called an invite card, and it's a personal invitation from me uh, and our church family to you. And you can scan the back of it, and there's a special message. It's an invite card. Would you come to our church? I hope you're doing it. hope you're giving them away. And you can pick them up. They're all over the place, ready to be picked up. So I reached in my pocket to give an invite card, and my pocket was empty. I didn't have an invite card. And I looked at her, and I called her by name. Monica was her name. And I said, Monica, I had an invite card for you, and, and apparently I left it in the truck or something happened, but uh, I wanted to give you that invite card, so I'm just going to have to give you a personal invitation. And I'd like, as you're checking us out, I'd like to invite you to our church. We'd love you to come to our church. It's right down the road, right up the road here, First Baptist Church. I'm the pastor there. And she said, I thought you looked familiar. She said, I've been watching you ever since you walked in. I, I, I thought you were, looked familiar to me. And she said, I said, well, where do you know me from? And she said, years ago, when they used to have Halloween downtown. Remember that? And now the city's moved it. We don't do Halloween. They don't do it down here anymore, so we don't do this ministry anymore. But Brother John, we would have a big night on Halloween night, and we would uh, give away hot dogs. We'd give away 1,500, 2,000 hot dogs and eat 500 ourselves. <laughs> but anyway, and we used to have different ways to get the gospel to people and and uh, we'd have, Brother Will, you remember the, the bright yellow shirt, chartreuse shirts? We'd say, go find, here's your hot dog, go find somebody with a chartreuse shirt on, and they got a special gift for you. And we'd give them a little New Testament or a gospel track and share the gospel with them. But she said, one time I was down here downtown for Halloween, and she said, I was on Washington walking uh, toward your church, and she said, you, you came up to me and you had a handful of hot dogs and little booklets. And, I, and she said, and you stopped me and said, ma'am, I want to give you a hot dog in this booklet that will be a blessing to you. And she said, I looked at you and said, well, I'm not a Christian. What if I'm not a Christian? And you looked at me and said, well, that's all the more reason to, for you to take this and me to give it to you. And she said, I took your hot dog in that little booklet. She said, I ate the hot dog and went home. And she said, it wasn't long after that I started thinking about that. Hot dog, and what you said, all the more reason for me to give you one. And she said, I got to reading that booklet. Next Sunday, I got up and went to a church. She lived north of Van Cleve. Got up there and went to church, and she said, I was saved and baptized. I've been serving the Lord ever since. Amen. Amen. Huh? 
Now, let me ask you something. If God can use a bald-headed preacher and a hot dog, don't you think he can use you good-looking people? Amen. Don't you think he could use you? And you may not see it right then and there, but you'll see it down the road, the Holy Spirit. You never know where he's going to go. And you don't know what's going to happen. What's going to happen? You never will. I'm going to tell you one more story. This just popped into my mind, and then, and then, we'll re, then I'll close out. But my father was way over in New Mexico uh, church planning. He was way over there. And he was in a hardware store one morning, and he was on one aisle, and he called. I remember him calling me to tell me this story. He was on one aisle right here, and then there was a conversation between a, a worker and a customer on the other aisle. And they were talking kind of loud, and the customer was sharing the gospel with the, with the, the worker. You know, he's sharing the gospel with the worker. And my dad said, so I started just kind of praying, and he said, and that, sound, that method he was using in presenting the gospel was so familiar to me. He said, I just sat there, wow, well, that's, that's how I was taught. And this is in New Mexico, folks. And he says, after the conversation was over, I walked around, and I found that old boy, and I said, let me ask you something. Did you learn how to win souls from Tom Summers at Waldron Road Baptist Church? And he said, in South Texas, he said, I sure did. He said, well, man, I did too, and I was sitting over that other aisle just praying for you. Isn't that amazing where the Holy Spirit will go with what you do for the Lord? Amen. I'm telling you, you just never... You just, you don't know until, and God gives you those glimpses of his glory. So let me review this real quickly and then tell you a couple of things to do. Number one, remember we said the Holy Spirit for the believer. He, uh, let me make sure I get it right. The Holy Spirit is always active. He's always at work. The Holy Spirit is sovereign. He does his work. He doesn't do our work. He does his work. And the Holy Spirit's presence is at work is, is evident you can see it if the Lord, if you ask the Lord to show it to you. Let me, let me give you another thing. People will say, preacher, when you preach sometimes and people don't come forward and they don't, they don't um, uh, move and, and all, are you disappointed? I was until about 30 years ago when I got over it. Because let me tell you something. The Bible says the Holy Spirit works. And the Bible says this book, this word will never ever return void. And my mentor told me one time, he said, let me tell you something about preaching the Bible. He said, it's going to make heaven sweeter for those hearers or it's going to make hell hotter for those hearers. It always does its work. He said, it doesn't depend upon how people move or how people respond or what they say to you or don't say to you. You preach this book, Word by word, verse by verse, and its work will be done because the Holy Spirit empowers it. So, amen. That's where my, look, I don't have any confidence except in the Holy Spirit's work and His Word. And so, uh, the Holy Spirit is sovereign. The Holy Spirit's presence is always evident. He's always doing His work. And you ask the Lord, you'll see it. There is a mysterious element to His work because we, 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 tend to forget that it comes from heaven's work. It begins in heaven. And then um, the conclusion of the Holy Spirit's work is not fully known on earth. 
So what do you do? Well, turn your face to the wind. If you have unconfessed sin in your life, sins of omission or commission, sins of the attitude or sins of the action, and the Holy Spirit is, is convicting you, today you need to pray and confess that sin and agree with God about it. Ask His forgiveness. Restore your, relation, or restore your fellowship with Him. And you need to repent as a Christian and ask Him to fill you and walk in the Spirit and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what you need to do. That's what you need to do. And you need to turn your face to the wind if you're not saved. If you don't know Jesus, if you're not 100% certain that if you died today, you'd go to heaven, you need to be saved. And the Holy Spirit is convicting you in your heart about that. And he's telling you, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need to be saved. You need a relationship with God through Christ. The invitation is for you to come down when I'm standing up front here in a moment and say, I need to be saved. I want to obey the Holy Spirit. And then here's one other thing for the church. One other thing for the church, the whole church. At the end of the Revelation, Revelation 22, John is wrapping it up. And the Bible says this, And the Spirit... And the bride, that's the church, the Holy Spirit and the church, the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that hears say, come. And let him that is the thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Let's make sure that our message is always the same message as the Holy Spirit. And that message is come to Jesus. May it ever be said that the Spirit says, and First Baptist Ocean Springs, Mississippi says, come, come to Jesus, come freely in everything that we do. May our message be the message that the Holy Spirit brings. Amen and amen. I pray you're encouraged. Let's stand together. And once again, if you're not 100% certain that if you died today, you'd go to heaven, you're not convinced of that, you need to heed the Holy Spirit as He draws you. You just come, I'm going to pray, we're going to sing, I'm going to be standing up there. I won't stay long, so I want you to come. Now's the time to come. And whatever decision the Spirit of God's leading you to do, it's time to do it. This is Cole Andrews. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast just wanted to encourage you to visit our website, fbcosms.com.